The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! I have to know. You look rested. I'm finally not sick. Welcome. Hi, Paul. I am, oh boy, on the floor playing video games, waiting for the Saturday morning cartoons, you know? That's how most kids spend summer vacation, right? I don't I don't know what kids do these. Do they TikTok during summer? Let me get this straight. You, yeah. adult man, James Kaminsky. Uh-huh. Have been on the floor for months this summer for months straight, waiting for cartoons to come on the television. I am so hungry, and I have to go to the bathroom so bad, Paul. <laughs> well, James, I've been spending it preparing for the next season of the Third Men podcast, where Jack White History Program, and we are coming to you from the throes of our summer vacations to bring you our annual best of extended interviews episodes. We've made these into somewhat of a tradition. We started doing them, James, as a series of like four episodes of best Mm -hmm. of of the prior season, which seemed a little like a a waste of everyone's time. (laughs) So now we've condensed them to a pleasant bite-sized package. And I would encourage all of you out there, if people have not heard the show yet, give them this one. You know, it'll give you just the cream de la crop, the, the creme cream de la crop, of the, the creme of the Kremlin. It'll give you just, just the meat, the chrome of the, the dome, meat. the crumb. <laughs> We're Jack White, Third Man Records History Program, and James. We do a lot of things on this show, and oftentimes. People from in and around the third man world will talk to us. And James, we're preparing a couple very special interviews for the upcoming season six of the program. Mm-hmm. But That's in the right. meantime, we're going to take a look back at all we did in season five. There's a lot of interviews last season, James. We went above and beyond, if we do say so ourselves, in procuring some of the best guests 
imaginable. We got we got some real steaming hot guests, Paul. Some ones, some people that were putting out new music and and coming on the show and talking about that music, and people who are just steaming, steaming the highest echelon, a third man you can get. We were getting there. Yeah, we were getting there. It's going to be a real letdown this coming season. <laughs> we're going to get the janitor, the third manager. <laughs> Sweeps around James on the floor. But to be honest, I would I would love to talk to the third manager. If we could get him on, that would be great. We're going to pick eight of the people that we've talked to this season. And that's not all of them. But we decided we had to cut it somewhere. And we're going we're gonna to give you eight. We're going to give you eight snippets of some of the best, coolest interviews that we've done. By no means is this representative of everything we've done this season. That would be an absurd scam on our part. But Ah. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) we are going to give you eight interview clips here, and I'm just going to go down the list of what we got here. So we're going to give you a clip from our interview with Dex Romweber, one half of the Flat Duo Jets, Jack White collaborator, and all-around swell guy, musician, legend, you might say. I might, and I do. Next up, we're going to give you Jeremy Ivey, <gasps> Margot Price's husband and a singer, songwriter in his own right, released a wonderful new record last year, the second in his solo records. That was really wonderful. We had a great time talking with Jeremy. Then, James, we have Karen Elson. Still can't believe it. What an interview. Third Band Records, recording artist, former spouse of Mr. Jack White, and avid enthusiast of UFO candies from England, I think. Was that what was that the one she yeah. liked? It feels like a million years ago. I don't even remember what we talked about. It'll be glad to I'll be happy to actually go through and listen to this best of because I don't I have no memory of anything we talked about. We talked about season. a lot of English British candies. <laughs> After that, we're going to give you a snippet of our interview with the band Radkey. And Radkey has had some exciting news in the last few weeks and months. The time of this recording, they just performed with the Foo Fighters. Got an awesome picture with them backstage. I saw it on Instagram earlier mm-hmm. today. It was very, very cool. And of course, Radkey was featured in the Dave Grohl documentary about live touring, which also featured Ringo Starr and St. Vincent, amongst others. Mm-hmm. So lots of excitement going on in the world of Radkey. And then after Radkey, we have Craig Brown, Oof. who James talked about hot sauce with quite a bit. <laughs> we did. We talked about hot peppers. Yeah. Ta- tapatio. Tapatio. Uh, Craig fronts the Craig Brown band, of course. Third Man Records recording artist in his own right. And he has been involved in just tons of third band stuff over the years that James and I didn't even realize when we were going into the interview. So really cool stuff in that yeah. interview with Craig. I feel like I'm going down a very long list here, but I, I mean, it's because it was. And I am skipping over a couple here, but uh, Danny Croa is the next one we're going to go to. Oof. Danny, of course, one third of the Gories. A doll rod. A third man records recording artist as well. He put out that wonderful Detroit, what's it called? Detroit Blues. Mm-hmm. record this past year great then we have chris lyons here front man i suppose you could call him the front man of silver synthetic at the very least singer and a songwriter of that band silver synthetic who released a wonderful record on third man records this year beautiful it's a beautiful record one of the best uh one of the best of the year in fact i got it for dad oh wow 
I took mom and dad to Amoeba when they were out here, and I decided I was going to get something contemporary for the both of them. And so I bought mom the new Billie Eilish record, because I will give that to everyone and anyone who will listen to it. And I gave dad Silver Synthetic. I found it. Amoeba had two copies of this compact disc. Wow. Yeah. How's he going to put that on a record player? (laughs) (laughs) I've been watching a lot of that Woodstock 99 documentary, and one thing I learned is you got to break stuff. You got to. I mean, if you don't, how is Fred Durst going to give it all for the nookie? You're also going to want to slide a tube sock over your cock and balls, is what I also learned from that documentary. I mean, we all do, right? About a decade after you race Marty McFly in the drag race that is meant to cripple him for life, you are meant to go on stage and put a tube sock on your cock and balls as a bunch of future alt-right people burn an entire festival to the ground. Great. This has been a weird tangent. Uh, Silver Synthetic, great. And then (laughs) Chris Lyons, we love you. (laughs) And then the last one here is a twofer. (gasps) April, March, and Olivia Jean. Ah, yes. Olivia was featured on our last Best Of episode, of course, because she was on last season, and we love talking to Olivia, but this year we are joined by Olivia with the wonderful April March, who uh, just released her new album mm-hmm. on Record Store Day this past July, so everybody go check that out. I have It's Wonderful. Now, that's a lot of names I just rattled off there, and we hope you all enjoy this little bit of a showcase But one of the things we really wanted to talk to you about today is the season six opener of the Third Men podcast and how we need your help in bringing it to life. Isn't that right, James? That's right. Never before have we seemed more like a Universal Studios ride line video where we are are now needing your help (laughs) and then you climb into some strange like animatronic jeep or whatever and and then fly to a mummy i don't really know what goes on in universal studios i haven't been there in years anyway we yeah. need your help to uh, reiterate james has <laughs> been on the floor for months thinking of this stuff <laughs> it's been a hot summer it's been a hot james summer <laughs> we're doing a third men podcast open show everybody so calling all musicians You may remember last season we showcased some listener covers in an audio setting for our episode, uh, The White Stripes Anatomy of a Fandom. But this season six opener we've got cooking for you is going to be a video and audio presentation. So we're calling on all of our musically inclined listeners to Mm -hmm. send us video of themselves recording any Jack White song. It could be White Stripes, it could be Raconteurs, it could be Dead Weather, Solo, Rarities, Tangential Stuff, stuff he's covered, doesn't matter to us. Just has to have some kind of connection to the world of Third Man Records, world of Jack White. And we'll showcase it in our special Third Men podcast open show, which will be going live on September 29th, 2021. All you have to do is record yourself or yourself with a band or record some band with their permission, something like that. Shoot some video, send it to our email address, thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com, and do that by September 5th, 
September 5th is the submissions deadline. If you do that, we will include it in our special Third Men podcast open show. We're going to have special guests. We're going to have a few surprises. We're going to have some bits. We're going to have lots of music. We're going to have a really fun time with this season six opener. And alternatively, if you're not musically inclined and you have, you know, a question or something, why don't you videotape yourself asking the question to us and we can answer it on the show. We could see your your wonderful face and you could see our wonderful faces seeing your wonderful face. Yeah. And then I don't think your face can then see... I don't know if how how many more iterations I can go there, but then we will answer your question or just stare blankly into the screen. I don't know what you would prefer, but we'll, you know, just type that in the email what you would prefer, and and we'll do it. I mean, you won't be able to see James, as I say, he is on the floor. But the main thing is that we want to see, we want you to participate. This is a Jack White fan compilation we're putting together. It's not going to be live because that's too hard for me. <laughs> 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 but we are going to be putting this up on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash C slash the third men podcast. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a really fun time. So we would love for you to participate. Like James said, you have a question you want to write in. If you have some weird Jack White themed poetry, if you want to send us like some art that you did that you want to post up there, like we're looking for creativity. We're looking to get the fans together to share in the creations that they have made. Brief stories of, of interactions or shows or whatever. Oh, um, favorite shows. Yeah. That might be nice. Yeah. Record yourself talking about your favorite show. It could be a TV show. <laughs> it could be. Well, preferably. Mr. Jack show. show. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're just getting silly. Yeah. James. So we are going to get back to the actual best of episode here. But we wanted to put the word out. So again, our submissions deadline for your video submissions is september 5th the year of our lord 2021 and again we will be going uh, up on our youtube page and in the podcast feed with the third men podcast open show on september 29th hey listen we need you to hit that september 5th deadline because old paulio needs some time to to go and, and edit the ding dang thing he's got to get in there and do it you know what i mean i'm just putting my foot in the door here paul i can edit too i'm i got i got video editing Fingers. I can do James it. His video editing fingers. They're on they're horrific. His foot is in the door <laughs> because it can't just about reach it from the area on the floor he's been lying all summer. <laughs> Somebody help me, please. SOS. So anyway, that's it. Send us your video. September fifth, twenty twenty one. It could be music, it can be questions, it can be recounting some of your favorite stories. We want you to participate. Because we want this to be a joyous fan experience for all of us to enjoy. And again, there will be some special guests. Wink, wink, wink. Nudge, nudge, nudge. So don't forget to do that. That's it. Yeah. That's all I got. I'm going to go back to enjoying my summer vacation. I'm going to take out a little Mai Tai. I'm going to sip on this little Mai Tai here. Ah, that's good. Bless you. Uh, and I'm going to stay trapped on this floor, uh, but I'll listen. Oh, I'll oh, I'll listen. James is going to be listening to you. All right. Enjoy the best of everybody. L- love you. Yeah, we love you. you right, bye. Bless.
hey, we'd like to welcome to the Third Men Podcast, Dex Romweber, the legend, the man, the flat duo jet, the, the Dex Romweber. Dex, welcome to the show. Hello, fans. Hello. <laughs> Darling. <laughs> it is so nice to talk to you. We are such big admirers of your work. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. You are uh, iconic and legendary. And uh, yeah, I, I reiterate what Paul said. Super excited to talk to you and um, can't wait to hear uh, some stories. Well, they're not all good. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think Willie Nelson said something about some fellow rock star that 20% of his stories were true, but all of Willie's stories were true a hundred percent. So <laughs> well, fair enough, fair, fair enough, <laughs> but, uh, but we'll take the tall tales too. People bring up, jack and and the influences and stuff but all i have to say is number one i never thought he sounded like me (laughs) and and that's a compliment and and number two i have my idols and heroes too so you know i was borrowing i'm not saying jack was borrowing anything from me you know at all but he probably dug what he saw or heard you know if we put on a good show that night so yeah I think it was mainly in the energy and the approach. It was an energy. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's easy to feel inspired looking at you perform with Crow, and you know, particularly in those early, in the early 90s, late 80s and stuff, because, I mean, you just look like you are living and dying by that music. And so it's, yeah. it's an inspiring sight to behold. And I'm sure he was inspired, too. We also heard that Jack sure. ran into, um, I guess you and Crash had played a gig in the early 2000s thousands and you had met the white stripes then do you recall that meeting i I do and it was in boston and i guess it was uh early 2000s but you know i i don't remember too much about it um i i don't know there there was this old show on tv and it was just a ridiculous kids show and instead of saying like hi there how you doing they would go Hello, Frubbins, Frubbins, <laughs> like that, F-R-U-B-B-I-N-S. And me and Sam were dri- driving to the game. We said, you know, when we see Jack, let's just go, hello, Frubbins, <laughs> <laughs> like that, which actually we didn't do, but that I knew we thought that before the gig. Hi, Frubbins. It would have uh, kind of fit the uh, the general White Stripes aesthetic. They were going for like uh, kids making music, you know, for the children vibe that their band yeah. kind of put off uh, with the. Well, you know. Jack has enough energy on his own. I, I mean, I, you know, he could do anything he wants. <laughs> I think, Dex, we're going to open every interview with Hello Frubbins uh, from now you on. You do it. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think the show is called Zoom was the name of the show. Zoom. I, it was like a 70s show. Sure. <laughs> very, very weird, man. I've been wobble dabu, abble yabber, hobble mubberk. I've been hobble piabu, abon, abble yabber tabis. Very weird. So, you know, when you, you wind up doing a, a Blue Room series single at Third Man and stuff later yeah. on. In the Blue Room book, actually, Ben Blackwell dropped a little interesting tidbit in there where he said that you had initially envisioned Jack to participate in some way in the Ruins of Berlin album, but it just didn't happen for one reason or another. Right. 
I was wondering if did you have something in mind for like a song for Jack to participate on that record, or is it more like let's see what happens in the studio kind of deal? I think it would be see what happened because I can't I can't remember what we would have got him on. Yeah, it might have been the opening track Lookout or something. Oh, okay, but I, I can't remember. I can't recall. You've got a lot of great people join you on that record. I think that's the one Neko Case is on, right? And I think Cat Pat yeah. is on that one too. So Yeah. Yeah. It's a good album. Nice. <laughs> in that Blue Room single, Jack contributed uh, mm-hmm. some of his signature squawking and stylings in the in the background. Mm-hmm. That song is so good. We love it. Well, have you heard the original Last Kind Words? Yes. Yeah, cuz it's it's wild he chose that song because it had I, it had been one of my favorite songs for a while or one I wanted to track down. Mm-hmm. And then when we came in there, he said, this is a song I want to do, which is too wild because I'd been thinking about it for a year. Wow. Huh. The last kind word I hear my say The last kind word I hear my daddy say If I die in the German world, want you to send my body, send it to my mother-in-law. If I get killed, if I get killed. We, I think I read that it had influenced the song Prison Called Life from Blues That Defy My Soul. Um, yeah, it might have. Yeah. It might have. I mean, I, prison was, I, I, I keep thinking it's something I, from Lead Belly or yeah. somebody like that. But I'm not really sure, you know. I mean, those minor chord blues songs or, or folk ballads I, I've always really liked. Um, mm-hmm. Meaning more in the line of Hank Williams or, or uh, Jimmy Rogers or somebody like that. Right. Yeah. So with The Wind Did Move, which was the other side of the 45, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about how you came to write that song? Well, that was, I mean, I had had that before we went in there um, and we hadn't done anything with it, mm-hmm. but it was primarily for me writing songs as I get in a sort of mental reverie or, or sort of contact my unconscious. And if I'm lucky, something really comes through. So that tune was one of those moments where the idea of playing a high E minor and then going to a low E minor Mm-hmm. was you know I, I attribute my unconscious to a lot of these things yeah or songs just through the ether somehow you know well, yeah you want to talk dynamics that song can bring you to another place very quickly and then bring you right back yeah. and it it's disorienting in a way uh, like a good way it makes you uh question where the song's taken you and i i like hey, hey it makes you question reality yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
welcome to the show, Jeremy Ivy. Well, thank you. You're a wonderful person. We we love your music very much. We're thrilled to be talking with you. Well, I appreciate it. But you know, good music and wonderful people aren't usually necessarily the same. You know, but I, I hope I'm a good person. <laughs> I would hope so too. Um, but you know, you know, my name isn't really Jeremy. Oh, my real name is Kurt. Oh, I don't know Mike. what my real name is, but it's not Jeremy. <laughs> oh, okay. We're going with Kurt and Mike. Yeah, Kurt and Mike. Kurt and Mike, yeah. Here's how I suspect you're a good person, is because anyone who makes the Things Could Get Much Worse video the way you made it is bound to be somebody we'd like. So how about that? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hoot, at least. I'm entertaining. <laughs> you're a hoot, okay. Noted hoot, Jeremy Ivey. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we'd like to welcome you to the show, and... First of all, we'd like to start out by saying how much we really love Waiting Out the Storm. Congratulations. At the time of this release, the album will be out, and we're thrilled about it. It's a wonderful, wonderful record, so congratulations on that. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's fantastic. It gave me, like, Tom Petty vibes, Bruce Springsteen vibes. It was great. I loved it. An amazing album, start to finish, and profound in many spots. Well, thanks. I like I love Petty, and I love Bruce, so it's... Uh... It's a high compliment. You know the dead already thought of, and there's really no such thing as someone else's problem. Someone else's problem. Well, if it makes you feel better, as soon as I was done listening to the song, the first reaction I had was. How can I do better? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so great. you had an effect. Yeah. Because I, I listened to it and went, yeah. damn. Shit. Like, I, there's a lot of, because a lot of it is, you know, there's people who, who do good things, but, you know, there's, everybody does a little bit of something in this song, like, because society is built that way. So you ignore certain things. You get used to certain things. I well, mean, yeah, you, you wear clothing, you know? Right. That's part, that's, yeah. that, 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 that's in the song. <laughs> so, like, you can you can relate on a conscious level to a lot of this and go like, well, shit, yeah, what can I do to do better with what I have? And so that was my first reaction after listening to it. So it was, it had an impact. That's great. Yeah. That's the point, I guess. You mentioned co-write on this with Margot. She has actually does a vocal on this at the aforementioned Tiny Desk concert. I was wondering, was this one ever in the running for one of her records it was this always this one was always slated to be on one of yours um i mean i i guess at the time that i was gonna record mine she already had the songs for hers and they didn't lean that way at all you know mm-hmm. yeah uh, but i do think that she plans to still record it she she we both consider it one of our favorite songs we've written you know oh yeah it's gorgeous so i think i think that she'll she'll definitely do it a version but hers might be a little more like a little more rocking and and a little more in the major key side of things sure i'm not really sure she she kind of hinted at me like the way she wanted to do it but i guess we'll see when it comes down to it you know i would love 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 to see that i mean it's one of the things i i love about her approach so much is that contrast that really bright sound with the really with the substance underneath you know something to say yeah which i tried to i tried to put like a blues kind of a thing to it in a major key and i guess just the way that i deliver things it just didn't work it sounded like it was just too corny so I had to go minor. He goes sleeping at night. 
this one it gave me big all-american made almost like those two i would consider maybe companion songs in a way because one of them is very backward looking in the sense that here's how we got here and someone else's problem was like okay here's where we are now yeah so i love the tradition of these songs that you two are writing and i would love to hear margaret's take on this one of course that'd be amazing yeah all american made um that was another one that we always considered one of our favorites too because it it happened really organically and pretty quickly you know mm-hmm. yeah I had heard that one. I saw Margot at um, the place John Lennon got kicked out. Oh, the Troubadour. Back Troubadour, on, yeah, yeah. In, in 2016 when she was touring for her first uh, Third Man album. And she performed that one that night, I think, or maybe it was shortly after I, I had heard a, a boot of some, of, or somebody recorded it or something. And I remember being just dumbstruck by it. It's it, that All-American Made, really, really powerful, powerful song. Yeah, we recorded that in the Obama era, which is kind of funny. I mean, not recorded, but we wrote it in, yeah, uh, yeah 2014, I think so we wrote it. Wow. Hey, <laughs> things could get much worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing about the verse in um, All America Made, that's, uh, I wonder, it, the original lyric is, I wonder if the president gets much sleep at night, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was more, more of like a sympathetic thing, like, I wonder like how hard that job really is, you know? But then, right. of course, when Trump's elected, then everyone thinks we wrote it about him. But it's like, no, we wrote it. But things can take on different meanings if you sing them differently, you know? Right, yeah. So then she started saying, I wonder how the president gets any sleep at night, you know? Which makes it a little more biting. Right. Right. It's all you had mentioned cornier music in a blues in a major key which brings me to a more ridiculous kind of question which kind of harkens back to buffalo clover now bear with us yeah we have a strange hypothesis that you and margo are secret ringo star super fans <laughs> and modeled a lot of buffalo clover songs after the kind of richard perry era ringo tunes Is there any truth to this at all? Uh, I mean, the only like solo Ringo stuff I really like is the stuff that like John and George wrote for him. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Damn, I, I love Ringo. Yeah, and I actually do like the um, his voice. You know, um, I'm a huge Beatles fan. I mean, I grew up that that was kind of like the first thing I dipped my pen into. Yeah, I love Ringo, but I'm, I'm a George, and given the the thing, you know, the choice I'm a George and John guy. Hold on. 
I was convinced after after we heard the ruse, I was convinced. I was like, boy, that song sounds so much like Ringo. I bet you they're Ringo fans. I never even thought about it, but it does, uh, the Buku blues, whatever, it kind of does have that kind of vibe, you're right. <laughs> I think we were trying to be CCR, but we weren't, we didn't know how or something, I don't know. I mean, so was Ringo, yeah. let's all admit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to be John Fogarty? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. By the way, it just took me a minute. I was on a parent-teacher Zoom, and you know <laughs> how those go. <laughs> no a problem. A lot longer than you imagine. <laughs> yeah. Boy, they're making you do that early in the morning. My goodness. <laughs> it's all good. It's, well, it's 10, 10, 20. Yeah, I, start, I, got on, I jumped on there at like 9.40. It's fine. Right, right. It's all good. I've been up since 5 a.m. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, shocking. It's- <laughs> I'm an early riser. I wake up, get my breakfast, ride my Peloton, take the kids, well, one of the kids to school. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paul and I both have uh, very young children, so uh, we're forced to be early risers as well. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I have to get up early. I need a minute before they wake up to just yeah. kind of get a moment. <laughs> yeah, center yourself. Yeah, I get it. All those things. <laughs> Briefly staying in the White Stripes realm, going to Icky Thump, we've heard that your first memory ever was of the Rag and Bone Man walking up and down the street. Can you you tell us a little bit about that and how it may have evolved into uh, the song? So um, I I think, you know, even Icky Thump, like it's an expression my dad would use, like it's a Northern English expression, like you know, when people be like, oh, heck, in America, it's icky thump in a specific part of Northern England or icky thump, you know, like yeah. it's it's just an expression. Icky thump with a lump in my throat, grab a coat and I was freaking, I was ready to go. Yes, where beside the head she had one white eye, one blank stare looking up, lying there. But then with the Rag and Bone Man, like I, I specifically remember it being 
probably like two and a half, three, and the sun's rising. And I, I mean, I still see it so clearly and hearing rag and bone, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> I have to remember, I am like 41 years old. So I am relatively ancient these days. So I can remember these moments. And I, I think I remember telling, I believe telling, you know, Jack about that, you know, you, as you do, you start talking about your childhood and your memories and whatnot. And clearly that resonated with him and, it, the you know icky thump resonated with him and I think maybe getting a crash course in sort of northern English colloquialisms you know and 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 my family yeah. <laughs> may have been influenced some of those things I mean I don't want to take credit for that at all because I can't because Jack like any artist you know you listen to sort of things that people say and you mine them into your you know you mine these sort of things and create them into your own vernacular but you know, I definitely hear the Northern England influence throughout that record, for sure. like the the pearly king and queen you know like (laughs) you know that whole that whole moment of what was it yeah oh god what was his name three quid (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's right that's right that's right right. (laughs) oh my god well from inspiring songs and starring in videos we move toward fleshing out your own music in a big way we want to talk a little bit about the genesis of the ghost who walks era a little bit the way i was describing your music i was trying to summarize how would i describe this sound i don't even know how to describe my own music by the way (laughs) it's tough i mean well so i was thinking okay this is like if Mary Hopkin was some kind of badass cowboy. I don't know if they allow cowboys in <laughs> Wales, but to, to be determined there. They do. Uh, they do. They okay, do. Good. They do. They, <laughs> they, they allow cowboys in. Uh, I mean, the, the, the British version of a cowboy is it's a much more extreme. It's so funny. I remember you know, I'm really sidetracking right now, but I remember going to this <laughs> event in London a few years ago that was based. It was like a night of country. And they asked me like, well, what do people in Nashville look like? And I showed up to the event and I'm like, we are not all gathering around the hay barrels in our like <laughs> plaid check shirts with cowboy boots. And I'm like, that's definitely not what is happening. But it made me. Hold on. I got to change real quick. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, my cat Fergus is like crawling all over me right now. Excuse me. Um, but there is sort of with my music, I think also being British and sort of taking, especially with the ghost who walks, I think. During that time, I was listening to a lot of, you know, Nick Cave and PJ Harvey and getting, you know, the Gun Club and the certain songs in the Gun Club that feel very haunted folk songs, you know, with a little bit of a kind of Southern Gothic kind of Americana leaning, but not really. But there's, it was my version of that, not being from these places. It was almost like Jack when him and Meg were three quid and penny farthing. You know, it's like your interpretation of what British people are. In a way, it was like my British interpretation of what the music I love, me interpreting it in my way. But getting to the genesis of the ghostly walks, I mean, again, and it all sounds implausible, but it's all very true. 
you know, I would like hide in a closet <laughs> and would, it was my only place. I mean, granted, it was a nice size closet. So, sure. you know, <laughs> after having, you know, kids, it was like one of the few places in my house where it was like peace and quiet and I could mm-hmm. escape. And I'd just sit and play the guitar and just try and write a song. And I guess there were moments where Jack would come in and, listen and eventually he was like what are you doing why are you not showing me playing these songs i think at first he was like huh piece by piece he was building a recording studio around you (laughs) probably but i think his his, you know and i I sort of expressed like well i don't know why i'm not sharing these songs with you but really it's just to do with me feeling insecure and also not wanting to take advantage. You know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm in a relationship with him. We're married. We have two kids and he is who he is that I, I don't know. Maybe sometimes I give too much credence for what other people think that I was giving at that moment in time, too much credence to that thinking, Oh my God, if I make a record and he is part of it, instantly everyone's going to be laughing like oh his wife you know she only married him so he could do this to her you know like you know how cruel people can be and how misunderstanding a person can be of a person's intention so I almost purposely was like I don't want him to be any part of my music because we have our relationship that I value separately to all of these things but Jack of course music is in every part of it facet of every element of his life was like oh shush (laughs) we're going into the studio and in a way was the final push that I needed you know and again it's his practicality and the way he approaches music that actually was the thing that I needed yeah the thing that I needed the final push to get where I needed to make a record and I was grateful for him with that because again it was no nonsense like any insecurities I had I had to check at the door you know, I, yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't bring them into the studio. Jack has a way he'd like set up the mic. He'd be like, there you go. You're going to play the guitar and sing and I'm going to play drums or this person's going to play on this thing. And there was moments where I could barely hear myself and I'd be like, hey, can you like turn me up a little bit? And he's like, no, just he's like, this is how you do things. You just roll with it. And But it's great. It was just what I needed. It was like throwing me in the deep end and teaching me how to swim. And it absolutely worked. And I will forever be indebted to Jack for that. Because if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I would have had the confidence, truly. So he, I really have to give him full credit for even getting my music career off the ground in the first place. The birds, they circle in the sky. All the birds, they circle in the sky. They circle in the sky For all of the blood red tears I've cried All the birds they circle in the sky Well, from writing songs in a closet, I'm assuming it's evolved since then. <laughs> Unless you've made a closet in the recording studio to write your songs in. Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of evolved. It's kind evolved since then i mean i still like naturally like all the you know like i like to be alone in my house yeah i like to not have anyone in my space while i'm working on music it definitely i feel much kind of safer to, to kind of work on the initial idea myself and then i'll bring it to 
the collective, so to speak. <laughs> and and it, <laughs> right. it seems to work out for me that way. But again, like I said, especially with the Ghost Two Walks, it was such a joy because the, the people who played on the album were all people who were in my life. And it was so nice to have everybody's support, even post then, you know, everyone's still very supportive of my music. And sometimes you can view something as this behemoth. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I'll never be able to do something. It's so overwhelming. And then when you do it, you go, oh, that wasn't as scary as I imagined. I don't really want to bend. Just can't take it. Messages I want to send. Say, please, erase this. Richie is my only friend. Welcome to the Third Men Podcast, the band Rad Key. We have Isaiah, we have D, we have Solomon. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks Thank for having you. us. So I hung out with you guys a little bit last fall when you were on tour out here on the West Coast. And we had a lovely time. Uh, the, one of the memories that sticks out to me was we had a, a nice lunch and then we walked out of the restaurant and the, the, uh, the hill was on fire. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It was a sign of things to come in, in the next year. So true. Yeah, we got a picture of that. It's crazy. <laughs> so, well, I guess we'll just start here. So how would, I mean, so you guys were on tour and I know you were on tour through Thanksgiving time frame and, and around there. Were you guys starting another leg or still on the road when all this pandemic craziness hit? Or how We were work? still on the road and shows were getting canceled. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because, you know, you start and you're thinking, wow, this is some crazy stuff going on. But then, like, things do start getting canceled. And then you're like, wow, the music business is really pausing. This is insane. And, yeah, it, the only thing that kind of helps with it is that everyone's kind of in it together like even like from any level band we're just all in it together and it kind of helps kind of keep you know the faith you know yeah and there's been those initiatives that have been popping up i forget who's championed them i feel like aoc was a part of one of them about saving venues totally and stuff because that's one of the big concerns right now is is making sure that some of these iconic venues stay open you know we saw i saw you at i think it was starlight I think it was called Starlight out here in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, that's like a, an amazing venue. But, like, you you wonder, boy, I hope they survive totally. <laughs> all of this madness. Not to go down that doom and gloom sort of path. I just want to say seeing you guys live was a revelation. Uh, you were all insane in the best possible way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was Thank one of the most electrifying live shows that I've seen in a long time. It was it was awesome, really, really good. And you ended. What was the closer? The Teen Titans. Yeah, go? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. to you guys and what you were doing with Jack White. We talked about with uh, Isaiah the last time he was on the show, but 
D and Solomon, we didn't have you on here last time. It's your turn. Uh, you got any fun stories to share about opening for those uh, for those shows? Man, I remember after we did our set, the tour manager came and told me that Jack White's going to come to the green room to yeah. meet us and just being like, oh, crap, this is really happening. And yeah. Saul called nice. me and I, and I was like, dude, I'm scared. Because <laughs> I, I was in the audience. It's like, hey, man, Jack says they say he's coming to the green room. And I was yeah. like. Man, I'm fucking scared, man. <laughs> like, it's just like I don't want to like ruin it. I don't want to, you know, tap tap tap. You know, get a good time, good set. You know, like that kind of shit. Yeah, it was super. It was super cool. He was super chill, and you know, he gave us all hugs and stuff, and said we're awesome. It's like, man, that's incredible to hear from someone that we, you know, grew up listening to. Like digs our music and enough to you know bring us on a few shows and stuff and that was really cool friend of mine you seem to not me bad it shows me out of all of the rest take me all And he, did he find us from the commercial? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank right. goodness. So yeah. it he sounded, liked it. Yeah, I, it passed. Yep, yep. Because we were scared that you know people like Jack White would hear it and be like, "Oh man, I wish they would have done the song better." You know, just because <laughs> we didn't have our version. So luckily. We scored the gig through that, and oh yeah, because it was cool. Like their whole band, like you said, like man, everyone was like you know stoked, and I was like, wow, like you guys all dug it. That's amazing. It's because yeah. the drums were offbeat, like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I Jack went in there. He's like, you all sounded English. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's so many funny things happen in this world. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hang out with uh, any of the other touring band members, uh, Carla Azar or Dominic Davis or? Just a little bit. Like there was like a kind of after party um, backstage and we kind of got kind of said, you know, hey, what's up? This was an awesome tour, took the pictures and stuff. And then we moved to another place and then everyone was just kind of in there. We we're just kind of hanging out. And then, yeah, we all just kind of disappeared from each other's lives from there. It was cool. Like we saw... <laughs> A couple people at the party is like nice. This is cool. We were so fucked up, and we're just like, all right, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll. We actually crossed back into the U.S. that night after finishing that yes. show. It was really late. <laughs> So I'm curious, have you guys followed uh, any of his stuff since then? I, the Raconteurs released a new album since then. Have you guys checked that out at all? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of the song title. Is it, it's like... Help a Stranger. Helpless, uh, yeah, but the, the song something Something's Child. Oh, oh, Only Child. Only Child. Yeah. I love that song so much. All right. The song's called Only Child. Three, four. Child 
Yeah, I love so, that record's cool. I'm curious, you know, you guys are on the pulse of what the rock scene is these days, just traveling the country and getting that reaction from people and seeing all the other bands and especially in talking to your fans. I'm curious to know your impression of where you think Jack's music sits in the current rock and roll landscape. Like, in your mind, are the third man people more like tastemakers or are they more like old guard or manic revolutionaries or pleasant weirdos or how how do you what where do you think that third man sits in the in the rock echelon right now i especially after the new record would put it in the tastemaker category because yeah. some of those him moving into the oh my cat is really scratching <laughs> <laughs> him moving into like some of the digital stuff because like he was already so amazing at analog so it's like it's like if you add like a amazing like power rangers suit that amplifies everything onto someone who already really doesn't need it that that album is really crazy and then like it's even got like the stuff that's like a challenge like we were talking about before like a stuff that challenges you to like get into this beep that's going to be through the whole song it's going to make sense at some point you're going to be like beep oh yeah beep yeah i was like oh yeah <laughs> yes the song i think you're referring to is hyper misophionic uh which i it was one of those things where it's like oh this is annoying and then the more you listen to it's like oh no wait no this is this is great Kid shaking a like a uh, a, toy, a toy, like a yeah, yeah something like it sounds like a spray can or something, and it's, you just put that in as an instrument. Oh like, yeah, oh weirdo. yeah, the guy's a weirdo. I love it. <laughs> I'm real into it, but he's same he's on another weird. Yeah, like I, I was listening to just music videos, and this Beyonce song came on. It started off with like a boing yoing 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 yoing, and I was like, how how are we gonna make this work? And by the end, you're like, yeah, they fit, that was a challenge, but they got it. And to know that, like, Jack is doing crazy stuff like that, it's like, yeah, that's, like, on the top level, you know, but with guitars. It's good to hear. Me and Paul are kind of, because it's been something that's been close to our musical taste for so long, and we've been following it for so long, it's hard to separate the scene from the actual music at a certain mm-hmm. point, um, just because we're like, oh, it's Jack White. It's great. You know, it, totally. It, even, if, <laughs> even if we're like, eh, it's fine, it's like, oh, no, well, he's... He's top tier, but yep. I, we realize that it's not necessarily everybody's reaction. So it's nice to hear that impression.
we'd like to welcome Craig Brown of the Craig Brown Band. He is a member of the Terrible Twos and a whole bunch of other bands. Craig, it's great to have you. <laughs> Hi, Craig. Hey, what's up? So quick question right off the bat, Craig. I got to know which came first, you, Craig Brown, or the Craig Brown Band? Uh... <laughs> How would you say that Third Man is different than any other labels that you've had run-ins with? Because like, you've, you've been putting out you know albums on a lot of different labels uh one that comes to mind urinal cake records love love that name uh eric love man i need to talk to that guy i don't know i miss that dude i don't know what happened to him but how would you say that third man kind of differs from other other labels Uh, they sell a lot of shirts (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's fair uh man i don't know I i don't think there's anything label or not label i don't think there's anything like third man it's crazy what the fuck it's like i don't know it's like if walmart was cool or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah i get it they do a lot of stuff you know it's like (laughs) they're the costco to yeah some some other walmart they you know (laughs) right Right. damn it if they will let that hot dog price go up they will they will make sure it stays down (laughs) yeah 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 third man's cool i mean like it's hard to even grasp like and even from like somewhat of an insider as especially that hasn't done like any deals with them like i would say i'm pretty close to some sort of an insider i mean i don't work there but like it i still don't understand it like it's kind of like jack's like chocolate factory yeah (laughs) that's fair but like open to the public or something i don't know (laughs) i think you can buy willy wonka's candy i think we we literally call it uh, Wonka land to, to co because <laughs> she hadn't been down there during the 10 year anniversary which you were there for too uh, me and my wife got got the, had the pleasure to see you fun man that was awesome yeah your set was great yeah was loved hot. it yes hot that day. <laughs> it was very hot uh, again I was telling co it's like 97 degrees there in April and I'm used to New Jersey which was like you know a cool 40 and, and Detroit must be like an, a negative 5 is the joke I made last time but <laughs> are you from Jersey? Are you guys yeah. from New Jersey? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which We're, I wanted to bring up with with liquor store. You know, that's a that's a Jersey native band. Where are you from in like in Jersey? We're uh, from a, a town called South Brunswick, so. We're not far from New Brunswick, sort of in between New Brunswick and Princeton, kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, if you're familiar I'm, with Turnpike exits, we're uh, the Cranberry exit, so exit eight A. Are you by Trenton? Yeah, it's close by. Yeah, yeah. So like South Jersey, you would say. Central. Well, it's, it's central. South middle, South central. <laughs> South Central. Yeah, we're from South Central. Central. <laughs> Liquor stores from Bergen County. So right oh, shit, yeah. 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 I love going there, man. I mean, Jersey's the best, dude. I can't it, believe how awesome that place is. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> people don't say that. It's so weird. I don't get why it's a weird thing to, to say Jersey's cool and awesome. Like, it's so weird. Okay. Favorite Jersey delicacy. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I think the correct answer is cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and are you a Taylor ham man or a pork roll guy? I guess like Taylor ham, but I don't eat that. But I, I really appreciate it. But I mean, just like the pizza in Jersey, just the pizza yeah. and the sandwich. I mean, the pizza is amazing. I mean, just like all anything. It's I mean, the Italian. It's just like we don't have Italian stuff here. I mean, yeah. stuff is garbage. You have Detroit style pizza, which is it's great. You know, yeah, it's something else, but it's fine. I like it. Yeah, but as far as Italian stuff, like other Italian stuff, like yeah, yeah. Don't have that like shit. the mafia, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, our mafias aren't are not Italian. I don't want to be a pizza is my personality kind of guy, but uh, we do have a pizza scoreboard in our kitchen for Pennsylvanian pizzas uh, to try and get the closest we can to what we think is decent. I do miss the pizza. I, I I'm out in Los Angeles now, and and James is in Pennsylvania, so we've we've drifted from Jersey. But I do I miss the pizza the most, mainly the pizza, actually, probably just the pizza. It's hard hard to get, hard yeah. to get even close to. Hey, how's the air out there for you now? Uh, today it's okay. It was pretty brutal recently, but no fires by us, so we're we're thankful for that. Yeah, that's good. We've we've now talked about. Third man and third man's like store presence. Any any stories of encounters with Jack you could tell us about? Oh yeah, I got a good one. The first time I went over to his house, his house in Detroit. Yeah. But, um, after I think the plant opening was that some big party in Detroit? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, in 2016. Yeah. Well, so we played like both days of that, right? So there was a party at his house after the first night, and like downstairs is like a bar and like everyone's hanging out, or whatever. And I just walked down there, and Jack just kind of like, kind of fast moving around. He's big and too. So like, one step that dude takes is like from one side to the other. He comes right to me and he's like, he's like, he's like, hey Craig, you want to shoot Hitler? He's like, hey Craig, you want to kill Hitler with me? I was like, hey Craig, you want to shoot Hitler with me? I was like, what the hell is going on? Like rifle gun. He has this like really like old school as like I guess you'd call like a pre arcade style sort of game and like. You take this gun and you shoot this mini Hitler guy across the way. So you get to kill Hitler. It's kind of awesome. Wow. First encounter of him at his house. I was just like, hey, Craig, you want to shoot Hitler? Oh, and I was like, what the f*** is this guy doing? <laughs> well, Fair enough. He was a man of his word. I got to shoot Hitler. Now, did you immediately think he was a time traveler who was, <laughs> who was now coming into the future to enlist you to kill Hitler as a child? Dude, I didn't know what to think. I don't know. But all I do know is that that was after the, the like, whatever the like, maybe it was like a private event or something that we that we played. It was like at night. And then the next day was like more of an afternoon thing for like the it was like a public uh, whatever, like a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Third man. And dude, I slept so late. We were supposed to play. I think we we're supposed to play first or something. My whole band's on stage. I'm not even there yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know where my car was, so I didn't drive. And then it's the I, was, Brown I called an Uber, and there was like, and the Uber driver. She, I remember she was like, she was like, "Oh, good luck." She's like, "You gonna have a, She's like, "Gonna be a long time till you get in." She's like, "Gonna be a long time to get in there," because there was like a long line. I was like, "Oh no, I'll be good." <laughs> I mean, I wasn't trying to be sweet or anything, but I was like, "Dude, my band was so pissed at me. I was covered in sweat and just hung over and gross and, and I walked straight from the car to like the stage and like." through all these people and i was they were like what the f- is wrong with this <laughs> and it ended up being a good show i think i've seen some videos of it i was like surprised <laughs> off, but like dude my arm like i don't know i didn't think i had to send an alarm for 2 p.m but like jesus I, yeah. I was bad then i was bad then but You sing a lot about your van. How's the van running these days? 
Man, that van is R.I.P. Oh, oh no. no! I sold it to this rapper named JP from the HP, who I hung out with last night. We went to Taco Bell at like four in the morning, and um, uh, dude, YouTube JP from the HP. Do okay, favor. I actually follow his Instagram. He's the best dude ever. You got it done. Oh man, <laughs> he's a true unsung genius uh, who is insane. But um, yo, I don't have COVID. I just been smoking bud. It's either that or the cigarettes. They can protect you from beating bugs. Well, that's what I read on the internet. I got a fat unemployment check. The government paid for my microphone. Don't want to return to employment yet. Until I update my entire home. I'm getting down for the f*** of it. With a couple of the dudes and a couple chicks. But if we ain't living in love and if I ain't in f***ing, then how could this love exist? So I sold my van to him for $700. The van. And since then, for probably for like a few years now, I've had a Chinese Bible church. I'll send you a oh. when I get a, I'll text you a picture of it. Yes, please. Please, yeah. So, knock on wood, that van has been all over the place, uh, both coasts, including the south, and it has never been pulled over. And it says Chinese Bible Church. <laughs> <laughs> now, do we have, uh, would we have permission to, to post that on our socials or? Please, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I would love to to showcase this. And uh, let let people know that uh, let law enforcement know they should be pulling. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> the looks we get at tollbooths toll just like heightened <laughs> to like <laughs> trip so enjoyable. I mean, going through tollbooths sucks. It's funny, and you have to stop. Yeah, there's some we get like something out of it when like because Eric, Eric Allen, who used to be in the band, he had like long hair and like a beard and stuff. And dude, when he would be he'd be driving a lot, and dude, we would like so someone in the backseat would try to take a picture of the get the toll booths person's face like right at the time i'll try to send you that too actually i think i got that the band i'm gonna send you that picture of this guy they look like it's like they look like disgusted but like really confused at the same time like their brain just can't wrap around what the is going on it's like yeah, I bought it off Pastor Chang. What's so hard about that? Now, have you ever, like, <laughs> tried to give a line after, like, peace be with you or something after they give you? <laughs> Good. No, oh, I'm, I'm jotting these down. I think it's more than I'm giving you guys. I did have Pat- a though. I was in Chinatown, San Francisco one time, and I wanted to buy a bunch of those Raiden hats. Yeah. So we could, like, all be wearing them. Because this was, like, when I early got the van. This was, like, when I first got it, like, three years ago. If we get Raiden hats, we won't ever get pulled over because no one wants to have a language barrier or some redneck-ass cop. Yeah. So, so I was like, let's all wear Raiden hats. He's Raiden, god of lightning and protector of the realm of Earth. I didn't get any because like, I had to, like, I, I don't know. It seemed like a hassle. They're kind of big, really big, those Raiden hats. I had to get six Raiden hats. Yeah, I've never yeah. put one on, but, uh, you know, I can't imagine it's the, the easiest thing to drive with. I think uh, if you put one of if you were driving around with one of those, it would just send the signal to the cops that they need to get over here. Uh, <laughs> and that was a long walk. <laughs> At least I'm not the only one delivering the worst jokes. Um, well, that's great. I love that. I know I get, we keep talking about Co. Uh, she lost her van years and years ago. I'm going to now put this on my board of what happened to Co's stolen van. I think somebody stole it, gave it to a church. And now you're driving Comalina's stolen van. Was Ben Blackwell's drum kit in it? Well, was his drum kit in the stolen van? Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. I never even heard that story. Yeah, it's, it's pretty uh, wild. And she <laughs> got like $10,000 from insurance from it. And she's like, it 
it shouldn't get this much money. And they're like, no, no, it's worth that. And she's like, okay. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, I got that. Someone hit the Chinese van in Memphis, and he had awesome insurance. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, it was just like traffic jammy shit on the highway. Like, we're, we're actually going to Nashville. We weren't even in Memphis. We weren't in Memphis. We were just going from, Memphis, going from, like, somewhere farther than that to Nashville. And it was, like, rush hour, so it's, like, gridlock or whatever. Mm-hmm. Some dude was probably, like, texting or whatever, and he just, like, cranked the back of the van, and, like, dude, the insurance was, like, they're, like, it's totaled, and I was, like, but I, it's fine, I, it's just really bad back and stuff, and uh, this panic dude was awesome, he, like, put it on the machine and, like, pulled it out slowly on this frame-pulling machine. You can pull a frame? I feel like that would break it. This dude, Wade, could. Dude, Wade was, like, ex- Wade was, uh, Jack's mechanic, too, back in the day. When he started working on my van, he was, like, yeah! He's like, hey, you're not. He's like, you're not the only van I used to. He's like, you're not the only band I used to work on because I take it to him before every tour. I was like, yo, can you just check it over? Like, even there's nothing wrong with it. Like, yo. He's like, you're not the only band I used to once over. He's like, you know who bring who brought their van to me? And I was like, who? He goes, White Snake. <laughs> I was like, Do you the White Stripes. He's like, I think it was White Snake. And I was like, they're British. And he's like, it was like a guy and girl but they'd have a friend with them always and i was like oh that's the white stripes is it no that's the white stripes i know them well oh shit. he did he was like i talked to jack i actually talked to jack about wade and he like <laughs> yeah i totally knew him he just had the band name wrong on tuesday morning looked like rain around the curve came a passing train on the blind said old bill jones is a good old hobo and he's trying to get home just trying to get home On a tramp, roads are getting muddy and leaves are getting damp. Gotta catch a freight train, leave this town, cause they don't allow hobos hanging around. Hanging around. We'd like to welcome a very special don't guest to the Third Men podcast today, Mr. Danny Croa. Danny, thank you so much for joining us today. It's amazing to have you on the show. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we've talked about Detroit music on this show for so long, and your name keeps popping up just over and over and over again. Your music's legendary to us. We've heard it so much. So it's it, <laughs> the honor is ours. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So shortly after onset is when you, Mick, and Peggy wound up forming the Gories. Is that right? Can you tell us a little bit about how the Gories got together? Um, yeah, you know, the onset was like, you know, we were into the Who and the Jam, we, but we met at an R.E.M. concert. Like we also oh, loved wow. R.E.M. and stuff like that. But there was something about it that just wasn't, scratching an itch for me you know so i started i had already been hanging out with mick i met him through a mutual friend who actually lived out in the suburbs who happened to run into mick at a i think it was a king a free king sunny a day concert down in downtown (laughs) detroit outdoors wow and he had met Mick there because of a T-shirt. One of the guys had on a T-shirt that the other guy liked, and they started talking to each other. And so, <laughs> that's cool. Mick, yeah, Mick being the absolutely T-shirt obsessed person that he is, I think this that's guy, right. this guy from the suburbs, had on this shirt, and so Mick <clears throat> started talking to him. So anyway, I knew this guy from the suburbs through my bandmates, who were all from, in fact, Pantano was from the same suburb as these other guys I was in the band with. Okay. And they were buddies with him. I knew Pat back in those days when he was in the Colors. Yeah. 
So they were buddies with him. They were from Masson Heights, passed from Masson Heights. Wow. So I started hanging out with those guys and doing onset stuff. But yeah, there was just something about that which just wasn't scratching an itch for me. And from the jam and the who, I started getting more into like Bo Diddley and Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and Chuck Berry. And, you know, wanted to do something more like that. And I started hanging out with Mick. And I would go pick up Mick and take him to the onset shows with me, mm-hmm. you know. And he had suggested at one point that the onset should do a cover of a contour song called It Must Be Love. did do and i think we actually did like an okay job of it i wish i had a recording of that but mick was already like you know suggesting cool covers and i was like god this guy's interesting you know and i would hang out with him and we'd go back to his house to drop him off because i always picked him up and i would often even pay to go into the show i'd pay for you know i was just like just to hang out with him (laughs) i would just pick him up and you know pay for him and all that stuff because he never had money. So, <laughs> so you know, we would go home to his house and we would just sit out in front of his house talking. Actually, Mick did all the talking. I was just listening. <laughs> but he would talk and talk and talk and he had all these bands in his head. But he talked about them as if they actually existed. That yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> there was no line between imagination and reality. That's It was all one thing. Yeah, because like even the dirt bombs would later turn into that, right? It's just a concept, and then it kind of became right. real. Then that's what made me think of that because Pantano was yeah. talking about that, the the you know that Mick approached him with this concept. Yeah, right. no, Mick like he there were like four different bands in his head already when I met him, <laughs> and he'd never gotten out of the basement. You know? Leave it to a comic book nerd to start yeah, building all, exactly. this, all this stuff. He's in got his, a whole... Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, he had this whole world in his head, and all each band had a video. They had an album Amazing. cover. They played a certain type of music. They had song titles. And he's telling me all this stuff. I'm like, man, I got to get this guy into a band. Like, we got to do something real. Yeah. So we started hanging out more and more, and then Peggy came into the picture, and we started hanging out with Peg. And... One night we were all in my room at my parents' house when I still live with my mom and dad, drinking some beers, listening to this music. And I had this uh, garage comp called Scum of the Earth that was playing. And somebody had taped it for me, so it was the cassette of that thing. Yeah. And we're listening to it, and Mick goes, you know, these songs only have like three chords in them. We, c- we could play this stuff. And I was like, let's do it. 
Let's yeah. do it. Let's let's do it. We're doing it. You know, that, I, I was waiting for that. You know, I love that you waited for it to be his idea. Well, it wasn't purposely. <laughs> it was just like that was our kind of brewing in my head. Like I got to get yeah. this guy into a band. We yeah. Had, so yeah, when he said that, I was like, all right, that's it. Let's do yeah. it. We're doing it. Time to pounce. I mean, right. Yeah. Mick probably already had merch ideas. Peggy, yeah. you're playing drums. We're gonna have a, like a there's a really primitive uh, drum kit. There's gonna be no cymbals. Uh, it's just going to be Tom Tom's total Bo Diddley beat. And Peggy was like, no, no way. I'm not doing it. I have no interest in this. <laughs> you know, and I was like, you have to do it. You have to do it. We're doing this. You know, and so then we started like laughing about it. And Mick got all comic book and was like, yeah, it's going to be the worst band ever. And we're gonna, <laughs> you know, we're going to drive people screaming out of the room, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah. So then immediately Mick like wrote a couple songs. You know, he yeah. wrote You Make It Move. <laughs> He came up mostly with Thunderbird ASQ, and I added a couple of lines to finish it off. I'm going out, gonna get my girl, gonna go to the store, buy some Thunderbird. Amazing. You had mentioned to us, and we had actually uncovered this too, which is super interesting. You helped produce Two Star Tabernacle's Lily White Mama yes. single featuring Andre Williams. That whole single is great. I love it. That single introduced me to Andre Williams, and I've, I've kind of huh. followed his, his work since then. Were you there for the recording of this, or, or were you just past the album? Man, let me tell you a story about it. Was I <laughs> what, there for the recording? What, what happened? Was there? I there? Um, yes, I was there. I think Jeff Meyer got that thing together because Jeff was working a lot with Jack in the beginning. It just mm-hmm. like with recording stuff. And Jeff had like brought over a bunch of mics and a recorder and stuff. And they set up in Jack's living room in the house he grew up with in on Ferdinand. Right. And I had already been, the doll rods had already started working with Andre. So I was the Andre connection. And, I think Jack got the idea that he really wanted Andre Williams to sing The Big Three Killed My Baby. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So Jack was like, I don't remember who called me and asked me to bring Andre over there, but somebody did. And I think it was because Jack wanted to do that specifically. Yeah. So I brought Andre over to the house. And, you know, the session is going, they recorded the, the, what's the song on the other side? It's not uh, 16 tons. It's something like that. It's kind of a standard country standard, if I remember correctly. So they did that. They recorded that without a hitch. That, that came off fine. That was done. Well, I could settle down and be doing just fine till I hear. 
Jack to teach Andre the big three killed my baby. So Jack is hell bent on Andre singing this song and he's t- trying to teach it to him and Andre just is not understanding it. He just does not get it. He's he kept saying, "What's my motivation? <laughs> What's my motivation?" You know, and he just Ramblin' Man is yeah, Ramblin' Man was the uh B-side. Hank Williams? Yeah, 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 that's it. So they had that went off without a hitch. That was not that was easy. But trying to teach Andre the big three kill my Andre just wasn't getting it. He just it was he just they just didn't understand this thing at all. And the session kind of broke down. Like Jack spent a lot of time trying to teach this thing to him. And Andre was just like, no, nah, I, I don't get it. I'm sorry. This is just <laughs> not working for me. And I'm sitting there going, man, what are we going to do to save this session? You know, because this yeah, is yeah. like ground to a screeching halt here. Right. So I remembered my roommate had a comedy album on chess records that Andre had produced by a guy called Ray Scott. And it was mostly just a spoken word comedy album. But one of the tracks was a song called Lily White Mama and Jet Black Dad. And it happened to be a country song. <laughs> so I was like, dang, that might work for this. So I was like, all right, you guys, what do you think about recording Lily White Mama and Jet Black Daddy? Yeah. And I mean, none of the Two Star Tabernacle guys had ever heard it. But I said, look, it's this country song. It's kind of a comedy number. And Andre's like, man, I don't know. The words are kind of dated. I was like, don't worry about it. We'll change it. We'll drop. We'll cut out the stuff that doesn't work. So I ran home, drove home to I lived on the other side of town at the time, grabbed the record, drove back. We put the record on and everybody learned the song. We decided to, you know, cut out a reference to the Vietnam War and something else that dated it Mm -hmm. and recorded that. So I saved that session. That's hilarious. I, I, it became the A side of that. Right, <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> right, right, it came out good. So, so when we were recording it, Jack switched to piano, uh-huh. and his guitar was just sitting there. So I was like, "Man, nobody's playing this guitar. I'm going to pick this thing up." Yeah. <laughs> so it was like it was the guitar that he played in the early White Stripes, that hollow body Japanese red hollow body. Yeah, the, the airline. airline. Right, but but it wasn't the plastic airline. It was okay. a wooden uh, hollow okay, body yeah. with f holes. Right. It wasn't the airline. It was something else. Some other Japanese guitar. So that was sitting there with his silver tone amp. And I just wandered over there and picked it up and started playing. I didn't even ask him, you know. I was just like, oh, you know. So, so I went over there, picked that up, and started playing these little country licks 
along with Jack playing piano and everything. So those like kind of lead guitar country licks that you hear on that is me. Yeah. Wow. So we did that. And then I guess about a few days later, Dan Miller called me. He was like, hey, come to my house and check out what we did. So I was like, okay. So I went over there and him and Jack were there. And they were like, check this out. And they, Jack had laid that acoustic dobro solo on there. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, okay. You know, I mean, I was like, uh, I wish you guys would have like, you know, <laughs> conferred with me before overdubbing <laughs> this thing. But all right. So we went to, uh, uh, I think we went to the Temper Mill, Dave Feeney's studio. Uh-huh. Yeah. And mixed it down. And now, like, I just listened to it recently, and we should have faded that thing out at two minutes and 30 seconds, man. <laughs> I don't know why we let the whole, like, almost five minutes go on. It was just too much. If we would have faded it at 2.30, it would have been great. special guest today i'm a huge fan of the band silver synthetic and we have joining us today chris lyons principal songwriter for the group is that right chris uh yeah pretty much you're the driving force my friend yeah that's you know that's what it is i guess (laughs) yeah thank you so much for coming on we're super excited about the new record and we love your music so it's a real honor to have you on here yeah thanks guys thanks for having me well, I've got my pre-order on the way. This episode will be going live just a couple days prior to the album dropping. So we're going to talk a little bit about the new self-titled Silver Synthetic album on the show today. Uh, listeners of the program may remember me gushing about Out of the Darkness in our 2020 recap episode to Ben Blackwell. And we were just like, hey, can we have more of this, please and thank you? And Ben was like, yes, you got it. In 2020, which was a garbage year, we did get this bright ray of guitar sunshine coming out of our headphones and speakers, respectively. And so it's just so wonderful to have this sound. How does it feel holding rock and roll on your back? How's that feel? You getting back problems? Uh, it's honestly like uh, I feel generally stressed out all the time. Oh no, really? <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a conception of Third Man at all? Were you a a listener to any of that stuff before you got linked up? Uh, When I, like, growing up as a youngster, I was definitely, like, a White Stripes fan. Yeah. So, like, I didn't know, like, a ton about the label prior to signing with them. I mean, I know, you know, I know a handful of the bands on the label. Yeah. But I still felt like when we were talking to ben about making this happen it was still like real exciting yeah and i was like could i kind of didn't believe it was happening <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it was it's an honor in a way you know yeah so yeah. when we had first heard 
out of the darkness, like we said, we loved it. We were super thrilled. We had originally thought it was about picking up women at bars, but yeah. <laughs> upon uh, some closer inspection, it seems that it's about trying to coax a city dweller out of the country again. But um, can you tell us a little bit of the origin of the song Out, out of the Darkness? <laughs> yeah, so you're mostly correct on your first assessment. <laughs> was it the wholesome one? Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> To make it a bit more wholesome, it's sort of about like uh, making fun of like the being like living a single life and like going out to bars and whatever and trying to meet someone. Like, just I mean, it sounds pretty goofy, but that's the whole concept is like making fun of that whole experience. Yeah. But also to make it more wholesome, it's just, you know, actually trying to find a partner that you feel like being around yeah <laughs> and yeah. uh you know like find something meaningful out of the whole chaos of meaninglessness and going out on the town yeah which is a you know a big thing in new orleans <laughs> yeah i always hated that the pressure of that you know when you go out to the bar and then there's that unspoken pressure, especially if you're there with a couple guys or whatever, that you're supposed to find somebody. And I always, I couldn't stand it. I'd hate it. I would. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really dumb. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, maybe it's just because I was very bad at it. That maybe that's just why I was super yeah. bad at. It. <laughs> I can yeah, I can be a particularly shy person yeah. at times in a certain situations. So like, it's just all weird. Being alive is weird. And, yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, it's you know, it's not uh, a horn dog song. It's just like, <laughs> it's just a song about like whatever I was doing at that time. You know, it's like yeah, what I love about it is that it's of the songs on the record. It's maybe the most repetitious with the fewest lyrics. Like a lot of your songs are kind of lyric packed, and you tell these sort of grand stories or paint these pictures. In this one, it's more about the repetition of it, which I was perceiving like man, you do this over and over and over and over and over again, and it's supposed to give you that feeling of, all right, you're back at it, you're back in it. writing do you find i mean we've talked to a few different musicians of, over the years and i find everybody's approach is different but what can you tell us a little bit about your approach to when you're writing is it come from a lyrical inspiration or comes from a melodic inspiration um yeah i mean it's usually like music first lyrics last but uh the melody always kind of like pulls out some sort of theme or will pull out a full line or a chorus that's like sort of like a subconscious topic yeah that just comes to mind out of the melody and then i just kind of run with that and then sometimes every once in a while i write a song that's 
I have every intention of saying what I'm saying. Right, right. But sometimes I find myself sort of listening to some other voice that comes through me, and it's just like kind of a natural process after that. Right. Yeah, that, I find that the way you phrase your lyrics sometimes echoes the guitar, and so they, they both roll in the same way and stuff. So they really, it's a... Definitely uh, has a lot to do with what's going on with the guitar. So I, I have so many favorite tracks on this record. A big standout for me is Around the Bend. That driving bridge toward the back half of the song is just everything I want from a rock tune. It's got even a little bit of day in the life on the back end too, a little aftertaste, day in the life. I'm like, ooh, ooh that's nice. Um, <laughs> when the band got together, did you see the driving guitar sound evolve naturally amongst you? Or was it was it a conscious choice or was it made by just you guys jamming out and finding your way as a band? I think that both Canal and I, prior to this band, had been doing stuff like that, like bottom feeders on my end. Yeah. I was doing a lot of like just completely fuzzed out lead guitar stuff. And he definitely does stuff like that in Jeff the Brotherhood. And we both are familiar with each other's bands and not even, you know, or the way we play guitar in general. So I think it just kind of happened naturally. We're like, yeah, like, yeah, we should do this. Like, it makes sense. And here's a riff. Like, it's easier to sort of not talk about what our intentions are. Yeah. Especially when the song's already written, when we get to working on it with the band, we just kind of like, we just kind of stop talking and start playing. (laughs) Yeah. Because... It's hard to communicate with words about music a lot of the time because everyone has their different terms and understanding of how to talk about music and it just kind of ruins it sometimes. Right, right. Welcoming back, Ms. Olivia Jean. Olivia, so nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> and then we'd also like to welcome Eleanor Blake, aka April March, to the show. Eleanor, so nice to have you here. I've been a fan for a long time. Super great to meet you. So nice to meet you. So you two are on today to talk to us a little bit about the new EP you released together, Palladium. And as we were just mentioning, it's a great new release this year. We were so excited and happy to get it because, Eleanor, I think this is your first audio contribution to the World of Third Man Records. Obviously, you had done the We're Going to Be Friends book, but I was just so excited to see you on the record in that. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. True. This is the second. Yeah. (laughs) But I was so happy to see uh, new original music from you at Third Man. And of course, pairing you and Olivia Jean together, what a wonderful match because you you made such a killer combo with this record. So first of all, it rules. I know James mentioned that his son has been dancing around to this one. It's a hit with our daughter as well. Olivia, your music in particular, your surf rock sound, for some reason, it's Taylor Swift and you. I don't understand why with my daughter, but that's it. (laughs) That's all she'll tolerate. Just you and Taylor. 
Oh, two polar opposites. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Eclectic palette. Well, I'm glad I can contribute. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, as we mentioned, we're a fan of each of yours individually. And it's interesting to hear your respective strengths sort of complement each other's styles in this way on this Palladium EP. Now, Eleanor, you've been a part of the Third Man world, as we mentioned with the uh, We're Going to Be Friends book and now this for a little while now. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what led to this inaugural, you know, musical collaboration with Olivia. Well, I guess I got an email, maybe it was 2017 or 18. It was around the time of the book, maybe a little after. Yeah. And I guess Olivia was in the studio and he emailed me and said, Olivia's trying to record this song called Palladium. Do you have any tips for her? Oh, wow. And I said, just pick another song. <laughs> unless, unless she wants to like turn into Queen Latifah or something. <laughs> um, and then I ran into her when she was playing in New York, opening for the raconteurs. Yeah. What was that? Was that 2019? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, 2019. And yep. So I, I didn't know Olivia at all, but I was like, oh, and then I said, hey, how's Palladium going? And she was like, what? <laughs> I tried and, and quickly realized you were correct. That song is fast and you definitely need to be fluent in French to do it. It's crazy. Wow. Right. And so she was like, well, I didn't do it or whatever. or I, It was too hard. And I said, well, why don't we just do it together? Wow. So this is part of the Night Owl sessions uh, originally. Uh, no, it wasn't part of the Night Owl. It's just, I think you were wanting to do it on Night Owl, right? Uh, yeah, I wanted it to be a B-side. I kind of, I, I was having fun learning songs in different languages phonetically. So yeah. I wanted to wanted to do it again. But yeah, when Eleanor said it was impossible, I, <laughs> yeah, I tried a little bit, but well, yeah. Well, with the work you did on John Pahitch and Ho, like you, you did pretty good phonetically learning that one. I'm surprised, although yeah, that was a little bit slower. So I was able to work yeah. with it, you know, writing out how the what the words sound like, not necessarily yeah, right. knowing what they mean, was a lot easier with that song. But doing it for Palladium was impossible. Yeah, the fast French on there is amazing. On a song, uh, it's. <laughs> I don't know. There's something that really draws me into that stuff. And I know uh, we'll probably get into that, but I know me and Paul have been really digging into the third man releases of the like sixties French pop stuff. And it oh yeah, really is very reminiscent of all that. Yeah. I've become a real yay yay head lately because that those France Gall reissues, I was like, Ooh, what's this? Cause I never really knew that world at all. And I've just been entranced by it. It's just beautiful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was introduced to yay yay through, like Scopatones, which you can find a ton of really cool Scopatone compilations on YouTube. The videos that go along with those EAA songs are really fun to watch. So yeah. <laughs> once you dig into that, you'll you'll start to realize like, oh wow, this is good stuff. <laughs> I got introduced to it. it was through Scopatones. And then I just have a fun fact about John Pesch Donahoe. 
which is my first band, The Pussy Willows, we also covered that song. <laughs> no oh, way. <wow>. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. It was know just, that. You know, so this is like, it's very, you know, obviously me and Olivia have some synchronicity. <laughs> It's an odd song to me because it's, you know, you don't normally think of Bollywood songs as being that far reaching, at least early on. You know, now it's much more broad. But uh, yeah, it's such a good song. It's really Yeah, it's fun in the video. I recommend watching the video for the song. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, and the video for that is just amazing. There's that guy with that mustache and everything. It's just wild. And actually, you know, there is a lot of similarity between John Pehechanho and Palladium in the sense that they're these sort of animated songs. There's almost like a novelty quality to them in a way, and they've been covered by just zillions and zillions of people over the course of the song's histories. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was even in like a Stella Artois commercial like not that long ago, too. <laughs> well, I think that might be, is that the original Palladium? Because I know that um, it was covered by Eleanor. It was also covered by somebody else before Liz Brady. Uh, Liz Brady covered it, and that's the, that's the version that I fell in love with was the Liz Brady version. And then the original is by the Sparkles. So the Sparkles from Texas wrote it, recorded it. And then a few months later, Liz Brady covered it in France. Oh, wow. It's like months apart. So we covered her version. Are you ready? Let's move on into the studio then. How much of your version of it was crafted before you went into the studio? Or like how much was worked out there in person? What was that like? So Eleanor sent me a bunch of uh, references, inspiration. So that's mainly what we did before the studio. Mm-hmm. I did a demo of two of them. I did a demo for Hot Sauce and a demo for Punkette. Um, but then obviously when we went into the studio, Eleanor fed a lot of really cool ideas that changed up the demos, which was great because her influences, she knows a lot more about French Yeye than I do. <laughs> so she's pulling a lot from what she knows, which is great because she added in the, the flavor that it was missing. 
know, <laughs> different, different ideas. Yeah. We were excited when we saw those pictures pop up on the Instagram. I think that that's where we first saw that, that you were down there, Olivia, or working with Eleanor. And that was super cool. Exciting to see you two collaborate. Now in the studio, was your band there as well, Olivia? Or was your band playing on the track too? Or? Yeah, it's one of the bands, one of the lineups that I use. They were the last group that I toured with. So yeah, okay. Cody Clayton, Austin, Hans Seegers, and yeah. Erica Salazar. Yeah, so I assume you might not have seen much of them since the Night Owl tour was sort of abruptly halted by COVID, but how did it feel getting back with the band again and playing together again after so much time? I mean, did it feel like riding a bicycle? Were you back in the swing of things right away? Yeah, everyone was so excited to to play again because um, we recorded it, when was it? July. It was like yeah, the July. end of June, it was the end of June beginning of July. We had a really short time to record it. Mm-hmm. It was like, bam, 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 bam. We don't know what we're going to use. Let's just record as much as we can. <laughs> right. We weren't originally going to do six versions. We were actually going to do an A and B side of a seven inch. Okay. And then we're like, well, we have all this, you know, all these ideas. Let's just squeeze <laughs> it all yeah. as much as we can in. And then we couldn't decide what we wanted to use. So pitched that idea. And luckily, Third Man went with it to do six versions. <laughs> yeah. You know, Olivia and her lineup, you know, one of her lineups that we use, they're such good musicians that, I mean, it was just a joy. So it was like, let's try this. And it was like, easy, let's try this, let's try that. Yeah. You know, it's a real luxury when you have such top-notch musicians. Then you can really try all kinds of things. You're not laboring at all. And we just had a blast, right, Olivia? It was awesome, yeah. And our, our musicians that we used... Yeah, like Eleanor would show them a reference really quick, and then they were like, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. we're good. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, it was a really fun session. There were really no hurdles that we ran into. It went really smoothly, and I think that's why we ended up doing six songs. We couldn't stop. It was too much fun. Oh, that's great. And it was great to play music. It had been quite a few months. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not-for-profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100-plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process, and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like, chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on. It can be as much 
or as little as you can swing, and all donations are greatly appreciated. The last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash, so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough, but if you would like to help us out, that would be amazing. All right, that's all from me. Remember, you can head to patreon.com slash thirdmenpodcast, and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already. All right, everybody, I'll see you on the show. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show.